Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Peril of Racist America, a podcast by Randolph College. My name is Avery Payne, and I'm an undergrad graduating in the spring of 2021. I'm working to obtain my BA in Religious Studies with minors in American Culture and Sociology. I am also a second year president for two clubs on campus the Black Student Alliance, BSA, and the Community Fellows. And lastly, I'm a senior on the Randolph College men's varsity basketball team. I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina's 5th District, which was designed to house our low-income, multifamily households and communities of color. Growing up in Charlotte, it was very clear to me that there were different parts of town that were designed for certain people to reside. I am from East Charlotte, and all of my friends and myself believed that you didn't hang out on the west side too late because it was dangerous. You didn't associate with people on the north side because they may be racist. And you definitely didn't go to the south side because you would still be isolated, even in your finest clothes, because their wealth was insurmountable. All of these ideas of what life was like on each side of town was obviously misinterpreted, but ultimately somewhat true because of the way that our city has manipulated the landscape to segregate races and classes. This isn't just about my city. The stage of racial economic segregation has been set all across America, and in just a few moments, I will problematize that while showing you why we should still be thinking about and working against segregation in the 21st century. The book that I read this semester is called The Color of Law, A Forgotten History of How Our Government Segregated America by Richard Rothstein. Rothstein lives in California, where he works as a senior fellow at the Haas Institute at the University of California, Berkeley. He is also a distinguished fellow of the Economic Policy Institute and a senior fellow of the Thurgood Marshall Institute at the NAACP's Legal Defense Fund. This book was published by the Live Right Publishing Corporation, a division of W.W. Norton and Company, in 2017. This is a secondary source because Rothstein viewed a plethora of primary sources to construct his groundbreaking arguments. The primary sources that Rothstein examined included legal documents, speeches from government officials, and meeting notes. In The Color of Law, Rothstein explores the ways in which federal and local governments segregated America through gerrymandering, redlining, national legislation, racial zoning, and public housing projects. He demonstrates how America was segregated, while also explaining how the methods that the government used were legal at the time. The book focuses on post-World War II America, but it also shows how these racially motivated segregation practices impacted the life of the 21st century. Rothstein argues that all levels of American government weaponized public policy to enforce their ideas of racial prejudices on the American people. His research reveals that although these policies were targeted specifically at black people, they also disparaged anyone who aligned themselves with black people or even lived in predominantly black neighborhoods. Through his examination of American public policy, Rothstein demonstrates the relevance and misuse of public policy to oppress and marginalize black, indigenous, and people of color communities. For example, in the post-World War II era, Franklin Delano Roosevelt's New Deal which was created to bring relief to Americans who were struggling due to the Great Depression, was also used to segregate metropolitan cities in America. For example, the Public Works Administration, or the PWA, was established to create public housing and spark the economy in creating construction jobs. But because the housing projects were restricted to white-only, black-only spaces, 
the federal agency ultimately reinforced segregation. Disinformation alone has changed my understanding of post-World War II public policy, both in the ways that I was taught this history and the ways these policies shape contemporary public policies. Why are we only taught the good and never the bad? In school, I was taught that the New Deal was progressive, but it was never clarified that the way that we describe progressive in terms of equity and social justice for all people was different from FDR's idea of progressivism. Although the New Deal was progressive because it progressed the country forward structurally and economically, it did not change the U.S. social and political hierarchies that favor white, male, and straight identities. The book also discusses housing organizations like the Chicago Housing Authority, or the CHA, and their efforts to ignore integration policies laid out by the federal government in the 1960s. These organizations continued to select sites for development that would maintain the city's segregated landscape. Even after the Supreme Court found this unconstitutional in 1967, Chicago had to block the efforts of the CHA to get them to adhere to the rulings and decrees of the Supreme Court. Once forced to comply, the city was already segregated beyond repair. All of the spaces that would have been developed for the purpose of integration were already utilized for other purposes. This exemplifies the ways local communities have ignored and manipulated the rulings of local and federal courts to maintain their racial biases. Today, we see many metropolitan areas that show obvious signs of previous segregation. Returning to Charlotte, North Carolina, the third largest banking city in the country, when entering the center of the city from the west or the east side, it is very obvious the racial and economic segregation of the city. I-277 is the beltway that surrounds our center city, and if you're a local from Charlotte, then you have most likely heard this beltway being referred to as the road where the city stops carrying. On one side of the bridge, you have newly developed high-end apartments or condos, and on the other side of the bridge, the landscape is overgrown, our public services for our homeless population is one of the few non-abandoned buildings, and there is often a police watchtower in the parking lot across from a very large tent city. This is directly tied to urban renewal projects that destroyed low-income and majority black communities like the community of Brooklyn. This is one way that we see these segregationist policies impacting BIPOC communities today. The history Rothstein retells in The Color of Law directly connects to our current racial justice issues around housing, redlining, and gerrymandering, specifically in the ways these issues are tied to policing that disenfranchises BIPOC communities. For instance, Rothstein briefly discusses Michael Brown's murder by police officers in 2014 and how subsequent investigations and protests showed the systemic abuse of African-American residents of Ferguson, Missouri. Using zone ordinances, local and federal officials as early as the 1910s trying to maintain the middle-class single-family homes by prohibiting future construction of anything other than single-family homes. Middle-class single-family homes were not affordable to anybody within the BIPOC community. Therefore, these policies preserved the character of the city's all-white neighborhoods. Further, St. Louis's African-American neighborhoods were the only neighborhoods zoned for polluting industries such as nightclubs, liquor stores, brothels, etc. to be developed, which in turn caused rampant overcrowding and increased crime. This allowed the city to over-police these areas and for the city of St. Louis and its white residents to demonize the African-Americans of that community because of the localization of crime in their area. Going back to 2014 and the murder of Michael Brown, the described century-long legal isolation of African Americans in St. Louis led these areas to be over-policed 
and the over-policing ultimately led to the racially motivated murder of an innocent young man by the Ferguson police. As someone who hopes to one day participate or lobby for the creation of public policy, this book has shown me the ways in which public policy has historically been weaponized against BIPOC communities and their allies. The fact that these legal codes and tactics have remained unaddressed in many areas around the country shows that there is still much reckoning to be done on behalf of the entire United States and how deeply rooted systemic racism is within many different facets of American life. One day I hope to create public policies that will rectify the policies examined in Rothstein's The Color of Law and make meaningful change for the betterment of black people and other people of color. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Peril of Racist America, a podcast by Randolph College. Da, 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 da.